Welcome back to another episode of Diversity on Fire. Hi, my name is Nina, and I'm from Iowa. Hey, it's Heather from New Hampshire. And this is Ashley from Raleigh, North Carolina. Our goal at Diversity on Fire is to inspire you to think and act differently. We'll do this by sharing our open conversations about controversial issues on all types of diversity-related topics. Today, we are so excited to welcome an incredibly special guest joining us from Dallas, Texas. To say she is a total boss babe is an understatement. She earned her degree in kinesiology from Midwestern State University and has a long history in the fitness industry, both teaching and training for over 21 years. She truly has a servant heart and is passionate about, passionate about serving others by helping them reach their physical and personal goals, as well as meet their spiritual needs. She is the founder of The Bible Babes, where she creates a drama-free, fun place to worship and have engaging conversation, and hosts the podcast, Hope in the Struggle. Along with all her massively successful business ventures, she is down-to-earth, fun-loving Texan who loves big hair, big personalities, and cowboy, well, cowgirl boots, oops. <laughs> Our guest today is nothing short of a ray of light for those around her. She's a beautiful, loving mother of two, handsome young men, and three super cute dogs. Please help give us the warmest welcome to Mindy Lawhorn. Hey, Mindy. What's up? Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely. We are so excited to talk to you. So overly excited. So in our previous Firestarter episode, Calm in the Chaos, we talked about how to find peace and calm with so many crazy things going on in the world, specifically in this particular year and especially this season. We thought of you because you've really embodied finding calm in chaotic situations over the course of the last few years. And we know your strong faith is a huge part of how you've done that so consistently. Can you tell us a little bit about how you came into your faith and what that journey has looked for you? Yes, absolutely. It's one of my favorite topics ever. I grew up in a family of five kids. My mom and dad had always five kids and all of our friends around us, and we would go to church a lot. And you know, I, I, that was probably my first you know connection with even any little bit of knowledge of that. But at 12 years old, I distinctly remember... Um, I had a fight with my mom and I was mad at her. And I remember I went in my bedroom and said, well, it's just you and me, Jesus, it's you and me. And at that point, I just kind of began a real relationship with him. And even though that's kind of hard to explain, because it's not, you know, human that you can hold or hold their hands or talk to, but I just at 12, due to a fight, went on my bed and just said, Jesus, I know that you're real. I've always known you're real. Please be with me. I need you because I don't like any of these people, basically. And I, that's honestly where it began. And of course, I love my mom, but you know, hello, who hasn't had a fight with her mom? Um, and, and it started there and it started just to be very real. What I tried to, to avoid was just anything that kind of like the world had told me about you know, Jesus or God or spirituality and kind of avoid anything even that I had read in certain doctrines because we had went to a Methodist church and, you know, I just, it, it just never made sense to me. Why would we have the Bible? And then this other book, I don't, I don't understand. Let's, you know, and so to me, it just only felt right to just read the Bible and figure out what was in there. And then through reading and learning and just praying, it just all became very alive to me and very real. And I mean, he's been beside me, you know, through my whole life, um, regardless of what situation has happened. So right now, would you say that you're not really in tune with any specific doctrine? It's more relationship based. Just It's just Christian. It's just what the Bible says. Like that's, that's the, as clear as it is for me. Like I, nothing in my, nothing makes sense in my mind, except for 
what the Bible says in the Bible. And I just want to be a Jesus follower. I just want to be a Christian. I don't necessarily want to divide it and split it any other way. And um, <clears throat> of course, I have no problem with anyone else. That is that for me, though, just makes the most sense. Totally. And I think every single one of us can relate to having a 12 year old fight with their mom. I know, my gosh, you, you would die if you even know the subject. But it just it just I mean, it wasn't as piggy and Kermit, which, of course, that would be fun to talk about. But um, it was literally just um, I can't, my mom is awesome, but she's she doesn't know her directions. And I was telling her which way to go because I literally knew it. I literally knew where to go. And she was mad at me for telling her what to do. And I'm like, I'm telling you what to do, mom. You turned the wrong place. Leave me alone. And it was, that's where it began. And I'm like, you know what? I need you, Jesus, because. <laughs> I kind of love that because it's that's so That's totally random. fair. Mm-hmm. My mom won't take directions. I wasn't being disrespectful. I just knew how to go and she didn't. So therefore, I was the bad daughter. But it led to something good. Love it. Oh, my gosh. So we have had the honor of seeing some of your journey kind of play out through social media. And I, for one, I'm honestly so impressed at your grace through all of the situations that I've seen come up. Um, Just, I don't know, always full of like hope and love and conviction, super strong conviction. And I guess what you just said, you know, going back to 12 years old, you curated that over a long period of time. So would you mind sharing a little bit with the audience, a little bit about some of whatever you're uh, willing to share about the joys and success that you have experienced, as well as some of the trauma and struggle and loss that you've experienced over the last uh, few years that have really brought you to right now? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm happy to. And it's, I think, you know, even you saying that, I'm like, who would I be without those things? And the thought process I have right now, which is something nobody wants to really embrace, but we've had to in real time with not only my niece and nephew, but my boys is that one day we will all die one day. And as much as I don't want to have this conversation with my two beautiful boys, I want for them to understand that. So when it does happen, they're prepared and they know, okay, well, this is what's going to happen. And someday I'm going, you know, I've got to figure out what I believe. I've got to figure out that this isn't just, oh my gosh, out of the blue. And, and that, you know, God tells us very clearly to never put a hundred percent of our, you know, confidence in, in any human because we're human and we're going to mess up and things are going to happen. And so my dad died when he was 58, uh, which is, I think, so, so, so early. He didn't live a very healthy life. He was a wonderful man, but he smoked. He uh, had type 2 diabetes. He had congestive heart failure. And his body just was kind of done. So that was like my first kind of big one, big, ow, because he was the best father. And then, you know, that was my first big loss. And God showed me a lot through that loss. Not only do I know I'm going to see my father again, but look at the good he did. Look at what a wonderful man he was and who he was my mom met him when she was single with four kids. And my dad was a 28 year old man that had a motorcycle in a, in a convertible. And he loved that woman enough to marry her with four kids, get rid of his motorcycle and convertible, and then have a fifth kid. What were they thinking? <laughs> That's <laughs> pretty in- incredible. Were, that was the heart of my, my dad. And he just adopted the kids, you know, and took them on as his own. And, and so fast forward, I have three sisters and a brother and my sister Renata, just above me, probably my best friend, um, died four years ago in a really weird, um, kind of hard to explain car accident. And there was a lot of factors going on, but it was the shock of my life. The shock. It felt like she had been like kidnapped, you know, or like, or like murdered. You know what I mean? She was like, boom, gone. And I just, I mean, I remember that night so vividly as I'm, Lee's waking me up, which is, you know, my husband going, you have to go to your sisters. And I'm like, why? And no one would tell me. And, and I was just so mad. I'm like, if she's hurt, I will go to a hospital. What hospital? And you know what I mean? My brain could not, 
I was in such freak out mode. My brain could not fathom that she was no here, here no longer. So that was four years ago. And it was just so difficult, but I just kept going back to God. What do I know? What do I know to be true? I know that you're real. I know that I'm going to see her again. I know that we're all going to die. I know that she loved you. I know that she believed in you. It's like, you know, you have to like keep reinforcing things, or at least I did. Otherwise I would have been so devastated, like devastated. One of my favorites, she's my, like my favorites just taken from me. And it's really hard not to make it personal because I'm like, my dad's gone. The best man I've ever known besides my husband, Lee. And then Renata, and then fast forward to December. I met Lee at a funeral 15 years ago. Within a very short period of time and not even a day, I was like, okay, yep, I like him. Yep, yep, yep. That's pretty much what I like. All that right there. I like it. <laughs> Just like that. I'm going to smack him. There is a lot to like there. Dude, there was a lot. Dude, I mean, he yummy on the outside, but he yummy on the inside too. And that's hard to come by. So he, I remember we went to lunch the day after I met him and he just simply said, I think something's happening. And I said, I, I think so too. He's like, but you have to know I have cancer. And I just remember not feeling nothing. Just went, okay, okay. Because I was married previously to my son's first husband and he was sick in other areas that led to him leaving me. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I don't care if you're sick in your body because I think everything else looks pretty good. Um, and I say that jokingly, but but literally there was a connection in me. I couldn't sleep the night I met him. And I was like, what's happening? Um, but I, you know, it just was a really cool God plan. And so he lived for 15. And if you ever saw him, he never looked sick. I mean, really till the very end, he's very tall, very big man that loved fitness and loved Jesus and loved family. and God chose to take him last December. Um, so, so if you, like a part of me is like, I hate telling people this because they're like, oh, great. Everything happens to this girl. She's one of those people, but I'm not, I'm really not. And, and I've had so much fun in my life and God has been so good to me to grow our business to the a level I would have never dreamed to allow me to meet fun people through fitness, through fitness videos. I've lost, you know, 70 pounds. I mean, like there's so many wonderful, good things. And it all comes back to what I believe is the main thing, loving God and loving others, regardless of what happens to me. Cause it's not because I've been bad or to take things from me. It's part of God's plan. And I trust him more than I need to understand. Does that make sense? I think it's super hard. So I think it's super hard to understand. I think it's amazing. You're you're so inspiring to be able to have this mindset, but I couldn't even imagine. And maybe I can't imagine it because I've never been through it. And by the way, I don't really think of you as that girl. So don't worry about that part. <laughs> if anybody thinks of you as that girl, that is. They don't know the fun we had. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a lot to. It's a lot to wrap your head around. And well, I think it's a that- lot because I mean, it was with, with Lee. I mean, I've, I've never known love like that. Like that was real fun, hundred percent confident love. You know what I mean? And then that's when you can grow and have fun and be silly and just do all the things that you might be too, you know, to do. Um, and there was just never a worry there. And that was just a wonderful, really cool byproduct of what God allowed. But like, I think when we talk about, I don't, and by the way, I don't want y'all to ever have to imagine. I don't want y'all to ever have to, because it's, so painful. And and you have to very quickly figure out what do I believe? Everything, every action we do, everything, every way we respond falls back onto our belief system. Whether that was from when we were little kids and someone told us something that was totally not true, um, all the way to who we are as an adult, everything we believe, reaction, even how we judge certain situations are based on our belief system. And so I just refuse to believe anything the world told me. And I refuse to believe none of 
the worldly things. What is what does God say? What does God say about this? You know, I just always ask, what does God say? And then God gave me one more um, kind of statement we say a lot in my family is, okay, okay, what's good about this? Okay, like whatever's going okay, okay, what's good about this? And by the way, I did not ask my children that, of course, when my husband passed, but I was like, okay, what about this? Okay, well, what's good about it? And both of my kids have an uncanny ability to be positive and be absolutely hysterical. Like the stuff they come up with, I'm like, oh my God, thank you so much. They're so freaking funny. And I mean, that, it just takes away so much pain. It takes away so much sadness. But the ultimate reason I think that I'm not like, when I say devastated about my sister Renata, is that I'm still not dragging my knuckles and I can't live, is because of the ultimate hope. My ultimate hope is in Christ and I will will see them again and I'm not going to live in this body forever. So it's like when you kind of think of that perspective, it just allows you hope, I guess. It's really liberating. Heck yeah. And I don't have to do what none of y'all say. I just have to do what Jesus said. I mean, I love you, but I don't have to listen to you. And that is the most freeing thing I've ever figured out. Absolutely. That's amazing. So yeah, I mean, and the thing is, is in a lot of these situations um, that if people, I mean, even one small, even a fraction of what you've been through, people will use that as a way to blame and, and as a way to completely disregard whatever faith they had, because they say, why? My sister was amazing. My dad was amazing. My husband was fantastic. These were really good people. So why? That's, I think that's an honestly a a natural reaction to have. So do you feel like your conviction, just because you've been so strong in it so long, do you feel like it was ever shaken? Or do you feel like, you know, what what advice would you give to those people that might be feeling like that? I I love this question because of course we're human. Oh my gosh, we would be Think and how do, how do I not take that personally? That's my three top favorite people I've ever had in my freaking life. My dad, my sister, and the best man I ever know. You know what I mean? How do I not take that personal? But it's not. And the reason I know that is I choose to believe that God has a plan. Uh, one of my favorite books I've read. It's called um, Unoffendable. Throw that in there. It is so fantastic, and he's hysterical, and it's just making fun of all the things people get so offended about, which don't really have anything to do with anything other than what they're, they think about themselves or don't, you know, or along those lines. But um, he had went to, the the writer of the book, uh, Brett Hansen, by the way, went to meet with a man who had lost his daughter and they go in the daughter's room and they're praying for him. And and, and the the dad's crying and the dad looks up on the wall and he grabs uh, like a needlepoint tapestry. Do y'all know what needlepoint? Okay. So if you've ever, okay, okay. Hello, I'm from Texas. We do that stuff here. But a needlepoint like tapestry that someone had made years ago for the daughter and the front's beautiful. It's perfect. You can read every letter. You can see all of the designs. But if you flip it over, it's this messy colors that don't go together and they're all crossing each other. And some look like, you know, they just aren't going anywhere. And the dad says to the writer of that book, okay, see, this is what we see. This messy side that makes no sense, that looks almost ugly to us and gross. But he flips it over and goes, but this is what I think God sees. And I'm just, I mean, I was just like, you know, kind of mind blown because I don't understand what he's doing, but I trust him more than I need to understand. I don't get what he's doing, but I know ultimately, because the Bible tells me over and over again, that everything that he is doing is ultimately for his glory and our good. And while that's a lot of open-handed faith, what are my choices? I'm not going to put my faith in a person, Three, my three favorite people. Are here no longer, you know. I'm not gonna put my faith in money, we know how that where that goes. Um, I'm not gonna put my faith in you know uh, what I can do or wait. I'm gonna put my faith in the one thing that I know will never let me down, 
And for me, that is just what parts the waters. Doesn't mean I don't cry, you guys. Doesn't mean I'm not in pain. Doesn't mean I don't want to punch somebody. Oh, okay. Maybe I should say the wall. I really don't, not mad at anybody. I'm more mad at inanimate objects really than people. Um, But if that's what I can boil it down to, that just splits the waters and takes off the stress and pressure. And I can go, okay. Uh, There was a post that you put up where you expressed feeling a little, a little guilty for feeling so normal or okay after everything that you've been through. And we've heard that, I mean, we've all said this, and I think a lot of us had heard it from different places, that grief comes in waves. And that absolutely seems to be true in a lot of ways. How have you worked through that guilt on good days when you feel great? And how do you save yourself from the negative spiral that a lot of us fall into when those days aren't so great? Oh, gosh, for sure. I don't know that I have worked through the guilty thing. And I I mean, I I love to have fun. I love to laugh. I love like that is so that's so cleansing and fun for me. And like, I'll, I will spend a lot of money on foolishness because to me, that's just fun. You know, that's rewarding. And and now the post I put up, I remember exactly what you're talking about. I, I didn't feel ugly that day. You know what I mean? I wasn't cry puffy cry. You know, when you cry too much, I, I felt good. And I had a hat on even, and Lee loved it when I wore hats, you know, and I snapped a picture and I immediately felt so terrible. And I was like, Oh, what is this? felt guilty for feeling okay. I felt guilty for not disliking how I looked that day. You know what I mean? I felt guilty that I was going to go meet a girlfriend for a 1 p.m. birthday lunch, which like, you know, and and, and it was just so hard. I'm like, I think I just need to share this. And, And what's really cool about social media, you know, when it's done the right way, it can be so helpful and supportive. And I'm like, I'm at least going to share what's going on because there's gotta be, you know, other people that, have similar feelings. And so I shared that for that main reason that day, but you have fun. And then you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm laughing. I shouldn't be laughing. Oh my God. You know, and there's, and then I'm thinking to myself on the other hand, Lee would be so mad at me if I stopped living. He would be like, what are you doing? He's Southern from North Carolina. He talked like this. He would be like, are are you out of your mind? Which he said all the time to me. And he would (laughs) He literally would be like, what are you doing? Why are you not having fun? You need to be going, go do stuff with the boys, go on trips, go whatever. He would totally be telling you to go. But there's something about grief that you feel if you're not grieving, then like you've lost them. And there's something about like, you feel like you have to hold on to it by your sadness and by your tears and you're crying. And, and I don't, I mean, I'm not a year out yet, but I just don't think that's true. I still struggle with it. Don't, don't get me wrong. But I just don't think that's true because I put myself in Lee's position and not that I don't know what happens when we die necessarily. If we have any power at all, I can't imagine that we would. But if we did, it's like if I would look down at him, I would be like, get your, you know what, together, go do something, go have fun, go to movies, go do what it like. I would be like, why are you wasting your time? So, you know what I mean? So you go through these really weird things. I mean, I call them waves. And my friend, Michelle Myers, who's one of my closest friends, was there the day Lee passed, stayed with me for a week next to me, made sure I ate, made sure, listen, and I can miss a meal y'all. And I was like, leave me alone. And what's so funny is she wasn't used to be an anorexic. And I was like, told the opposite. And I'm like, how weird is it that the anorexic girl is trying to shove food down me? You know what I mean? And we were, I mean, we're just joking the whole time, but she was like, I am here because this is where Lee would want me to be. And Lee was, I mean, she was right. She shared a poem when we were together about waves and how grief is like waves. Grief is like, the, the story goes, a man had a wreck, you know, his boat capsized and this huge, horrible waves and they're coming and they're coming. And 
you know, at first you can barely breathe and you're just, you know, trying to swim your way out of it. And you're like, oh, and then every wave comes and crashes you down again and you can't even breathe. And then it happens again. And like this goes for a while. Well, then pretty soon you can anticipate a wave. And so it's not that you fight it, but you know what's coming. You kind of know how to handle it. And it talks more about the waves until you're at a part where you almost are ready for the wave. And instead of holding your hands tight and gritting your teeth and freaking out, you open your hands and you let the water like rush all over you and you almost let it do its cleansing. And, and, and I'm, I would say in the middle to three fourths through that scenario to where when they come, I just, cause it almost feels like a panic attack. Like, like that little bit and you're like, Oh my God. Oh, and you just like, you want to look at a picture of him or you just want to look at a video of him, whatever. And like, it happened on Saturday. I got a plate out of the kitchen. I don't know why I just play out. And I was like, and I looked at the quiet house and I looked around and I just put my plate down. And I just opened my hands and I was like, okay, God, do, do what you need to do. And I just let it go. And it was probably the best wave that I've had because I wasn't fighting it. And I didn't have that tense, you know, inside me. And I just went, do what you gotta do. Because I think that's where the work's going to come out and come through than me fighting it forever. Of course. That's such a beautiful metaphor. And I think people, people, have said, and I mean, it's been written about, and you just said the kind of the, the waves of coming and going, I think, um, and that it's experienced in a lot of different ways. And the, the wave metaphor I think is multifaceted because I think the waves in that it comes and it goes is super accurate, but also in that it changes in kind of how you're, how you, how you perceive your own grief. So I think grief in a lot of ways can be just acknowledgement of that shift in your feelings. Like maybe it's, maybe your grief on the day that you posted that picture was, was joy and feeling good and acknowledgement that Lee would appreciate that you were feeling joy and feeling good. That's a, that's a different phase of grief. And I think so many times people embody this guilt of I'm not grieving in the way that I'm supposed to. I'm not grieving in the way that society has pressured me to grief. And it's like, it doesn't always look like panic attacks and crying and screaming. Sometimes it looks like laughing and being a little bit sad that you had to laugh that time. So I, yeah. I appreciate that. That's beautiful. hundred percent. There's no right way. And, and everybody does it like so differently, but it, it has to be done. I do know that, especially after my sister passed, like I just was like, and I'm like, I've got to figure this out or I'm going to be useless to my husband and my children and our business and for the good of others. Like I keep thinking, and for the good of others, because God's going to use it somehow. I mean, I know he is like, I don't, I don't want to be the one, but he's allowed it a few times, you know? So in, in that process that you've been working through and, you know, along with what Ashley said is that we do have a lot of conceptualization of what we have either been taught or had projected on us about how we're supposed to react in grief. And I know personally that I've struggled with the fact that um, I've, you know, like you, I've had some pretty close people to me die in my family. I don't think about them every day. I always wonder if it's weird that I don't. I, when my mom was sick with cancer, I went to um, the Fiesta Bowl and a lot of people were horrified um, that I went and I still to this day. So I, I kind of struggled with other people's perceptions of me having oh, yeah. that. And so what I wanted to ask of you is have you had some of that same experience between all these three situations and how have you worked through that? Gosh, that's a good question, Nina. I have. Um, 
my best answer is that I just have to go back to what I know to be true. You know, I need to be more worried about my creator than my critics. And if I think it's okay and I have, you know, lifted this up in prayer or I'm walking, I think in a correct direction, then I'm good. I don't need anyone else to say anything or or that things should be done a certain way. Here's, here's an interesting example. Lee was alive and he was fun. He was so funny, like in this really slow Southern, he could get away with saying anything way. And it always made me mad. I'm like, I could never say that. I would, uh, you know, but they'd say, he would say it and everybody would go, oh, that's right. And I'm like, what the heck, you know? <laughs> Right. It's so unfair, so unfair. And of course I loved it. And and he was great at the, at, we were bantering. We bantered a lot. And like, it was so much fun to banter with him. Um, but uh, his mom, who he was adopted and I knew his mother and his whole family, his blood family and his mother who had him had passed a little bit after actually my sister Renata did. But the mother who raised him is, is older. She's Serbian. She's a very small, very kind of woman where she will smack you with her words in two minutes. I, I love her very much, but she's 90 and um, she didn't feel strong enough to make it to the funeral. And I understood, but she wanted a funeral where she lived in North Carolina. And I, of course, made the funeral quote unquote celebration for what Lee would have wanted. And it was hysterical, highly inappropriate in many parts. The music you walked into was his music. So we, you walked into ACDC and Def Leppard. And you walked into Kenny Wayne Shepherd, and you walk into all the, you know, like old school country and rock and roll. And the, the way the pastor opened it up for Lee's celebration was um, from a movie um, with Marky Mark. And it's where, is that tell you how old I am? I called him Marky Mark. But with Mark Wahlberg <laughs> and Michael Scott, because, you know, that's all I can call him is Michael Scott, go to his house to help them. It's, it's from date night. And, you know, Mark Wahlberg opens the door with no shirt on and she, and he's like, Hey, and that's how it opened the funeral. And I didn't do it. The pastor did. And the pastor happens to be my neighbor. And it was just so beautiful and God glorifying and fun. And people spoke and they told funny stories and we had amazing music. And I did a whole slideshow and, and I just felt I needed to tell people some things. I probably didn't know about that man. And it was beautiful. <laughs> You know, and so hard. And I told all these funny stories and all these random pictures about how horrible he used to dress. Oh my God, he used to wear chokers all the time. And he wore fanny bags. Oh, well, I got pictures, y'all. I will send you. <laughs> we did a video and an audio of it because it was so uplifting. And by the end, I mean, everyone was hugging us and then going, I've never been to a, a funeral where I feel better. I think I'm closer to Jesus. And it was just so beautiful and amazing and fun and perfect. Lou loved it. Well, his mother has her own version of funeral and, and honestly was very offended at the funeral I put on. And hers was, you know, very traditional. That's a, that's a celebration of, of life. life. Yeah. No, it's a for sure. Um, and and I'll, I'll send the link to Nina. Just, you can even listen to it, but it's so freaking funny. And it just was all good. But, but back to like kind of what you're saying about, you know, what have you thought when people disagreed with you or didn't approve of what you did? Well, of all the people I might want to, you know, pay attention to and just take, you know, consideration of it's his mother. But I also know that, you know, she doesn't like what I wear. So <laughs> no, I, no, I love her. But I know what you're saying. So how you true I to yourself. Her. Well, but I was just it. I, it doesn't matter what I wear. You know what I mean? I love her and I will be respectful, but I'm not going to stop wearing my clothes, you know? And so I get it. But, but his sister was with me and she was there the whole time. And by the way, my dog behind me just tore up a oh. foam finger that we got oh. from the cowboy. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's how it goes. That's how it goes. Um, but anyway, so, and, and his sister, uh, his adopted sister, c- would not quit telling me how much she loved it and how he would have loved it. And 
you know, what a good tribute and all that stuff. And you know what, that, that's when we just, we've got to do what we feel right is for us and in our heart and to have so, I mean, so many people flew in, so many people flew in and they were just like, this is exactly what I pictured it would be like. I'm like, yes. It's amazing. It's good. And God was super glorified. So that was the best part. Well, I think so if there's anything else, so first of all, if there's anything else that you want to share about kind of the backstory. Yeah. I mean, like sitting here talking about all this, I mean, really part of, I think the resilience came in from, you know, I grew up chubby and I was the last of five kids and nobody else was chubby in my family, but me, you know, and there's something about that, that you kind of have to figure out why am I not as good as they are? You know what I mean? You have to figure out, you know what? I am good. I am good. And I just have to figure out the way I'm supposed to be, you know, or whatever. And I'll, and I didn't really get into fitness, by the way, to lose weight necessarily. I got it because I wanted to be fit and I wanted to be healthy because my dad wasn't, you know, even way back in high school. And that led to just this really cool thing. Mindy, that's pretty insightful. And I think that's impressive. And it's, and, and frankly, it shows that loving yourself has really kind of impacted you and been able to have you utilize your faith. And as a result of that, you have the ministry Bible Babes that you have, you know, developed and that you've cultivated. Can you tell us a little bit about that and that journey and how that began? Yes. Oh my gosh. And what's so cool about the Bible Babes is that I didn't necessarily want to do something like that. I just had like this common thing happen with my fitness business. So once we figured out we could have a bit business in fitness and it could be online and Lee and I could do it the way we wanted to with our faith and the way we fit, you know, we like fitness. I found myself with all of my like coaches and clients and, and, and customers is I would always end up somehow having a very deep discussion with them. It wasn't just eat this and work, you know, work out these muscles and you'll be great. I was always talking women off the ledge almost, you know, so to speak off the ledge of, of course, the Oreos and the glass of wine. And it was like, this keeps coming back to my faith. And, it, and it's, you know, if, if they weren't Christians, it's no big deal, but I would go, well, let's think about what the deep down issues are. Let's think about what we really want. Cause you really don't want those Oreos. We really want to feel better. You know, we don't really want the Oreos. We really, and then it would just always, I found myself frankly ministering to them. And I, I loved it, of course. And our business grew heavily. And um, that kind of worked its way into, I wonder if there could be a Christian women's group that is zero judgment, that is no drama. Like we'd only allow drama like in our hair and lashes. You know what I mean? Like that's the only drama, you know, your and your nails or shoes. But a women's ministry that's online full of like-minded women that just need support they want to be closer to Jesus and they don't want to mess around with any of the booyah that unfortunately happens within women's groups, Christian or not. And I, I'm just zero drama. Look, I mean, I don't want any more drama. Like it was an, ah, uh, you know, it's enough. I don't like, you know, girly kind of drama and fights and you know, I don't like any of that. And people thinking certain things that aren't true. I don't, mm -mm, but if that could exist, think about how many women this could be wonderful for. And then it, I just, you know, through my help of my mentor, of course, Shalene, She's like, just create one. And I was like, I think I will. So we have a ministry and it's an online membership. We call we call it the Bible Babes. And we have 300 to 450 women in there at any given time. We do monthly calls. We do Bible studies. <clears throat> Our current Bible study is about breaking the chains of being a people pleaser or doing things for your ego instead of like for God, you know, and it's really pretty cool, really pretty cool. But we have like special guests that come on people, 
that come on and give us really cool discounts for earrings and, and their stores. And it's just a really cool, fun women's community where we pray. We always are doing a Bible study or something where we support each other. We have small groups and it's become a thing where I now have, you know, small group leaders and I now have founding Bible babes and it's just trans. All of that's just kind of transpired into this really cool ministry that's on our terms. Yes, it's Jesus, but we nobody give me get get all whiny and be all like you know house housewives acting in there. We don't do that. No, I love that because what it sounds like to me is what most people expect to get out of their religion, which is support, um, comfort, uh, and fellowship without yep. all of the things that frankly drive people away from Christianity. Absolutely. And especially in this season, it makes me think of, I've heard someone say this before, it's a church without walls. It's giving someone a place to go where sometimes you can't always get somewhere. Sometimes it has to be home. Well, and I just, I just give all, like how, how good is God that the timing in which it all, and I started it right before Lee Passion. We didn't know Lee was going to pass. He was going in for treatment and just, you know, his immune system just couldn't handle it. And I did that before. And I kept thinking, God, I can't do this. I've got to stop this Bible babes thing. I can't, you know, Lee's gone. What am I doing with my life? What are the kids? And, blah, blah, blah. and the same, every time I would say, God, I can't because of this, he would remind me, no, 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 you have to keep this going because of this. You have to. And as much as I've done for them, they've done for me. And I mean, all these really cool things have come of it, but that is, that's like my heart. I want to share that with people and to minister to each other, but in a fun, girly way where we kind of know all the boundaries of stuff. And and, and, and with COVID coming, like so many people couldn't go to church. So many people couldn't go to their Bible studies or whatever. So it was a nice opportunity or option for people that maybe normally wouldn't have. You know, now, of course, that's kind of how we live our lives. <laughs> and I love that because... Because especially right now, and especially I think it's going to become even more fundamental into holiday season is usually the toughest for people, period. It's cold. It's dark. And so there's just not the same sunlight, everything like that. People get isolated. And now we're looking at that on top of basically a rampaging disease that may kill thousands and thousands of more this season. So I think it's going to be more important than ever to have, you know, a community to anchor yourselves in. So we'll make sure that to put that information in the show notes so that they can find you. Uh, what I'd like to know is, so you were talking about the the Bible Babes being an extension of what you were doing with your fitness community in that business. Can you kind of tell us a little bit more about how that works for you and what is involved with your fitness career? Yeah, our, our fitness was just a, I've always loved fitness. I started teaching fitness classes when I was 19 and I became uh, soon a fitness presenter, which is where you go and you teach other people to teach classes. And I just, I mean, that was like my jam, my bag. I loved it. It was so much fun. And you got to just have this eight hour span of time with all these people. And you just ended up like loving all of them. And you got to see them go from not being able to do anything to being able to completely teach the full class, you know, at the end of these trainings. And it was just so good and so amazing. And that, that transpired into an opportunity with one of the companies that took our gym classes to the consumer level which is where you could get it on, you know, through DVDs. And I think they were first on VHS, if that tells you anything. But uh, now, of course, everything's just online. And that opened up a door that I just thought, well, it'd be a great discount. And once I realized, Mindy, this is just helping people lose the weight that you've lost. 
is having people all over and using MySpace. Thank you very much. Um, help these people. And so I just started helping people in the same way that I lost weight, showed them the videos I used and helped them with nutrition, encouragement. And it grew and grew and grew. Uh, we you know, have lots of workouts now. And, and, and with Lee coming on alongside me, he didn't really ever do a lot of like the, the, the footwork like I did, the talking to people and online, but just his presence and him always being supportive and him half the time, not even know what I was doing. Um, he just was always so supportive. And that grew into then we had guys and girls and we had couples that not only had lost weight, but they wanted to do what we had done. And we showed them many trainings. And I mean, it's something I still do to this day. And I just praise God for it because that's been going on for 12 years. And I, you know, I think all the time, what if things had been different and maybe we had to sell the house when Lee passed away, you know, or maybe we had to move into a different school district and God is so good to us. And we worked so hard that where we are now, I mean, we don't have to make any major changes because there's already been a huge change and all that from fitness. And then these relationships and, and it just has grown into kind of this, like almost like, a, you know, little, your hands spreading out to these different avenues for really cool things that really kind of encompass each other, you know, doing what we should having accountability to help us do it. And, and a mind body connection. Yes. Cause it is, it's wellness on the inside and outside. It, exactly what you see, Nina, the mind body. Okay. Mindy, on your podcast, Hope and Struggle, you actually had an episode where you touched on that a little bit on the female side that, you know, that's obviously who you are and <laughs> what you are most um, trained in. And that it's not for us when you're talking about getting fit, it's not just follow this plan and go to the gym. It's a lot of mental. So I think it's the mind and body, like Nina just said. And then how you wrapped it back to your, the Bible babes, because now you can mm -hmm. combine those two because you realize that everybody needs a more holistic approach. It's not a one size fits all. There is, it's not a one size fits all. And I mean, I don't ever, you know, slam my, you know, beliefs down anyone, but when it comes to that point, I'm like, well, let's think about a few things. What do we, you know, what do we really want deep down? Or what's really bothering us deep down? Because there's a lot of reasons we overeat. There's a lot of reasons we emotionally eat. There's a lot of reasons. And I mean, all of us do it from time to time, but it's like, maybe maybe we can break through past just this weight loss. You know, maybe we can have things happen past just, you know, getting you where you want to be for this next trip or this next event. What if it's like deeper, deeper change? And, and I mean, that's, that's really what matters. You know what I mean? And especially if there's an eternal <laughs> component there that could be, so amazing, but it, it, it has been just, I mean, really, I believe what uh, God has kind of created me and all the experiences and quirks and all the things to do is, you know, that all of that encompass kind of together. Amazing. Right. What we do at the, at the end of each episode, we like to share with the audience um, a tangible action, a small tangible action that they can take throughout the next week. Um, that we feel will, will be impactful and will be helpful to them in some way. Um, we would like to give you the opportunity to uh, share yours if you'd like. I, you know, this is really hard because I have so many. I have so many. Um, would I be allowed to share too? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> in, in general, I think one of the best things that you can do right now that will be have such a huge impact is for you to go onto iTunes and or, or or wherever you buy your audiobooks and listen to me get the audiobook there's reasons um and and buy the book unoffendable 
Unoffendable by Brant Hansen. It is phenomenal. He himself reads it. Um, I have the book as well, but something about hearing his inflection, like he's very, he's a smart aleck and he's freaking funny. And he lays everything on the line. And the best thing about that book, you guys, is the freedom that it almost gives you permission to walk away with. And when I say freedom, I mean freedom from other people's precocious opinions, freedom from doing what it is we should and, and, and not wavering with what will they think? Like, just imagine for a second, if we lived in a world or if we lived in our own bodies, our own minds, our own hearts and spirits, where I didn't have to worry about what others thought that I could do what I think I should. Like, that's a whole nother existence. He's so good. So that book is called Unoffendable by Brant Hansen. Fantastic. That's number one. And then the second one is if you have lost someone, if you still grieve, if you still have things just like, ah, I don't think anyone understands me and or you know someone dear to you that's lost and you don't know really know what to do or say. Because I, I know people struggle with what to say and that's human. I mean, I'm happy. I think I will write a book on what not to say. I think I'm gonna write a book on what not to do because I got a lot of great <laughs> examples and they are funny. I mean, at first you're like, what? And you're just like, oh, you go. let's laugh. But there is, there's a book, another book. And of course I, I go with audio on this girl too, but it's by, it's by um, Cheryl Sandberg. Hello, who is basically Facebook. Um, I didn't realize that was her until after I was like halfway through, but it's called option B option. The letter B course, get the book too, but I love what is added in the audio for this. And um, it's so good with it. It helps you understand where that person is, helps you understand. First of all, if you have lost, you're not alone and that you're not the only person that people say weird stuff to, and that you're not the only person that goes on these waves. Like we spoke earlier and a lot of, Grief books are good, but that one spoke to me the most. And she was funny and 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 just it wasn't a sad book. It it, it it in general is sad. You know what I mean? And and she was just like, how do I do this? And she's a mom of two, so those two books are fantastic. And I highly, highly, highly recommend them. And then lastly, sorry, this just came in my mind, is to find a grief group. And if you're like me, and the grief group that you found, or you're just not your cup of tea. I mean, you can create your own. I did. I have one online that's got over 100 people in it right now. And it's kind of a little bit like the Bible babes in the sense of this is what we do. It's what we don't do. Here's And if you don't want to do that, that's fine. You can leave at any moment. But we're going to share with each other. We're going to be here on the days that you're down. And we're going to look for hope. And um, I think that we've got to not feel alone because that is the one thing I have found in all of this death is I feel like an island nobody even close to me, no one around, no one knows what to say. And therefore people avoid me, which is true, but we've just got to continue to hear truth and then find others that we, we, that get us and that we can unite with. We don't have to be like, Oh, I'm sorry. Did I just make you feel bad because I spoke about my loss? Cause that also happens. So you asked for one, but I gave you three. I'm sorry. Three is perfect. I under promise. And I over the, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I especially like that you, you know, you said, I love that, that you started your own because that's what I always tell everyone um, is the absolute worst is the isolation. I know that in my personal experience, I had to, and I still actually still kind of do it. Sometimes I had to sleep with the TV on and it was weird because um, <laughs> it's, I'm just laughing because it's random, but I started falling asleep to Lord of the Rings because I would put that movie in because it was so long, but then 
what started happening is I would literally fall asleep once it started playing within probably seconds, but it had to play first. And so that's how I got kind of got through it. But otherwise it feels like you hear voices or you're just alone with your thoughts. And so what I've tried to do with people's experiencing loss personally, is I've tried to reach out to them after everybody goes away because I, like you said, it inevitably happens. It does happen. So would you like to tell everybody where they can connect with you and find you and maybe get involved in some of what you're doing? So you, I can be found on Instagram. It's Mindy Lawhorn, L-A-W-H-O-R-N-E. Also MindyLawhorn.com. And I have all the links to the other stuff I have. And then lastly, the grief group that I just began is on Facebook. And it's we're just kind of giving it a shot. And it's basically this three simple words, hope, grief, and truth. And I would love, you know, to have you in there if that's something you want. And you can find out about the, about the Bible babes from my website as well. Awesome. We will make sure to link everything that you said, the books, your podcast, all of your websites and everything in the show notes so everyone can find you easily. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I am so excited to have had this conversation. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. This has been incredibly inspiring. And I think uh, especially during this time of the year, I I know for me particularly and in my family, um, the holidays are the hardest part of the whole year when you talk about grief and loss. And I think you've given us all a little bit of inspiration and or a lot of inspiration to think about what we can control and what we should let go of. And I'm very appreciative of these stories. So thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you for having me. I loved it. Thank you guys. Whoa. So much good stuff here. Guys, if you're listening to this episode, please screenshot it from wherever you're listening and post it on Facebook or Instagram. Tag both Mindy and Diversity on Fire and Ashley, Nina, and I if you'd like. All the links to our contact can be found in the show notes. We hope you really enjoyed this. Mindy is absolutely amazing and we are so grateful that she took the time to have this conversation with us. Her calls to action, uh, again, check out the books that she mentioned. We will link these in the show notes. Please look at the show notes. Super excited to share with you the material that she referenced. As a reminder, guys, the opinions expressed on today's episode are our own. We do encourage you to do your own research and come to your own fact-based conclusions. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you were inspired to think more deeply. Don't miss us next week. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and subscribe wherever you're listening now so you never miss an episode. If there's a topic that you'd like us to discuss or if you'd like to be a guest on our show, please reach out, info at diversityonfire.com, or you can leave us a voice note. The link for that can be found in the show notes. Uh, please share the show with everyone you know. If you are enjoying us and you would love to, to hear more, sharing the show does help more people find us, so we would really, really appreciate that, as well as a five-star review in Apple Podcast. I'm going to put my faith in the one thing that I know will never let me down. <laughs>